Hey there, PDX Real Estate Podcast listeners. Before we get into today's show, I've got a real quick announcement for you, and that is that my company, TTM, is still looking to buy fixers and teardowns all over the Portland metro area, even in this post-corona economy that we have going on right now. So if you have anything that comes across your desk that may not fit the retail market, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. There's a contact us tab, fill out the information, submit it to us, and we'll give you a call. Or if you'd like to, just call us at the office, 503-224-6200, and we'd love to chat with you about the property. Now, let's get into the show. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. Welcome, everybody. It is the Portland Real Estate Podcast. It's Friday. It's 11.13. We're a little late, but uh, you know what day it is. You know what time it is. And we're back this week for season four of the Portland Real Estate Podcast, as we uh, named it last week. But uh, before we get too far into what this week has for everybody, welcome my co-host to the show, Mr. Steve, Mr. Joe. What's going on? Hey, good to be back on. Two, happy, two week- happy rainy Friday. Yes. Yes. You're at your cabin, Joe. What do you got planned for the weekend there? Nothing. I'm coming right back. Oh yeah, just <laughs> yeah, one night. Yeah, my dog had to go to the vet, so I picked her up, took her to the vet, brought her back, and uh, I'll be heading back. We Your have vet. Is it the mountain? No, my vet's in West Lynn. Oh, so you went to the? But there's a there's a surprise birthday party for somebody, so hmm. I'm going to be back uh, Saturday for that. It's going to oh. be fun. So just a one night. That's the great thing about having a second home so close. 38 miles. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you play? How how often do you use that pool table? You know, one of the big losers in COVID is pool. I haven't shot pool in, (laughs) in, well, in at least eight months. Um, How's your game, Joe? Um, It's been about eight months since I shot (laughs) pool on that. it's, big it's, uh, it's, it's okay. It's different when you get progressive glasses because things look a little different, but um, I, I have a perfect, the, the perfect window is three beers, three beers. <laughs> I get better than no beers. And then beyond three beers, I get a lot worse. So and then I like four. golf, right? Yeah. Kind of like golf. Hey, before we uh, intro our guests real quick, Steve, I wanted to do a little continuation from last week. We had quite a, um, we'll call it a colorful discussion uh, about your post in Masters about the the perception of um, our lovely city and and our lovely state here. And I was in Arizona for the last few days. And I have to tell you, and we mentioned it previous to recording here, I felt like a new exhibit at the zoo uh, (laughs) when I told people where I was from. Um, so just, what did they, what would they ask you? Like you, you mentioned like Uber rides or taxi rides or whatever, or you go somewhere. Yeah. There's always the, you know, of course, where are you from? You know, question, right. Or or what are you doing here? And that leads to where you're from. And every time I drop the P bomb on them, um, you know, there's the, uh, you know, kind of take it back and be like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, I know (laughs) we've been on the news lately. They're like, yeah, we've been following it. Um, and then of course they want to go into all the, you know, 
details of what I can tell them about any given thing that they've been watching. But there's absolutely a perception out there, I think, for those of us that haven't left in a while, um, which a lot of people haven't traveled due to COVID and all that. Um, we may try and say it's it's not a big thing, but it's a big thing. Um, the world, uh, we're definitely under the world's microscope, uh, just at least to some extent right now. So Interesting. Interesting. But, yeah. Did they, we'll did they ask you if it was a a one-way ride? Did they ask you if you were looking for a real tour in Arizona? <laughs> I was wondering, actually, I was wondering if you were looking for housing over there. Uh, I'll tell you, Paradise Valley is awfully nice. Um, it's, it's calling my name, that's for sure. But they, there is a saying, and they, they said that they need to create a new one for Oregon, but they, the saying is, don't California my Arizona. Uh, but they, they may be instituting a new one for Oregonians that may be moving there as well. So. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot who have. Yeah. Yes. But that aside, um, this week's show, not so much about that post, uh, much more about uh, some hotly contested elections, maybe talking a little bit of smack, uh, maybe educating you guys a little bit. Uh, we'll see. It may be a mix of all of those things. But uh, I want to welcome back to the show a uh, fine gentleman that was actually on with us, what, probably a year ago, Steve, maybe something like that. Seems um, about right. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Ezra Hammer from the HBA, what is going on? Hey, gentlemen. Nice to see you this morning. Thanks for having me back. Always uh, nice to reconnect and uh, really cool that you guys are going uh, live now these days. That's a nice addition. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, you we, for coming back, Ezra. We're, uh, we're excited to hear what you have to share with us. It's, uh, there's a, here, I hear there's some stuff happening in politics these days. So Yeah, it's, it's funny. We got this election going on and all of a sudden just the, the energy starts creeping. It's... Uh, you, you know, you talked, mm -hmm. um, you talked, uh, Tucker, a little bit about your experience going to AZ and what's happening right now. The conversations uh, in DC are, are percolating all the way back here to Oregon. And so the amount of energy that we're seeing and um, the amount of votes that we expect to see um, cast in the November election um, will probably be shattering any recent records. We saw um, really, really high voter turnout in the primary. We saw extremely high voter turnout in the special election that the city of Portland held in September. Very rare for special elections, but they were close to 40%. Um, and so I think, you know, politics and elections are on the tip of everybody's tongue these days. And we have a bunch of them around the region. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about some of them, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> good for you. Know, the, the one that comes first to mind for me is really. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're back with us. I'm seeing Stevie back. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the first. It's back. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, the first one that comes to mind for me is the Metro Council. It probably rates fairly low for the average voter, but it's extremely important if you're involved in real estate, land development, or uh, home construction. The Metro Council is a regional government that we have here in the Portland metropolitan region. It's unique. Um, in the fact that all of the electeds are directly elected rather than appointed. And it is responsible for making the final decisions on urban growth boundary expansions. And as both of you know, we have a, a big urban growth boundary here in the Portland metropolitan region. Uh, it's tweaked every so often to allow for new land, new farmland to be brought in and developed for home. 
rules and for commercial development and everything else. And the Metro Council is responsible for making that decision. We have a pretty pivotal election uh, coming up in November. There are two seats that are open. Um, this is the first time in a while that we're seeing a really hotly contested race for the Metro Council. Um, and uh, we expect it to be really impactful. Um, the first race um, is between Mary Nolan and Chris Smith. It's for the seat currently held by Sam Chase. Sam Chase is a, a former affordable housing developer, so somebody that really knows housing inside and out, and we've been blessed to have him on the Metro Council being such a strong voice for housing there. He's stepping off, um, and the race between Mary and Chris provides stark contrast for voters. Chris is a um, longtime activist in the city of Portland um, and is extremely skeptical of any, uh, of any growth. Uh, he is a believer in, in kind of a small footprint approach um, and believes that any new housing that gets built really needs to be built in downtown Portland and, and, and nowhere else. And so uh, Mary, on the other hand, former legislator, somebody who understands budgets, who understands kind of uh, Oregon's unique land use process is really well positioned to help shape conversations on the council um, and make sure that we continue to see growth as appropriate to ensure that we get the housing um, that uh, Oregonians so desperately need. Um, so we, uh, my organization, and I know a number of others are strongly backing Mary. Um, she's a fantastic candidate, and I highly recommend to all the, uh, the viewers here to check her out consider making a donation to her page. And if you live in her district, make sure you're checking the box for Mary in November. What wouldn't the, who is her district? Cause I'm confused. Um, we're talking about um, Metro. Mm -hmm. Isn't that all of the, the, the suburbs too? Yeah, it is. So they, uh, the Metro, um, the Metro jurisdictional boundary encompasses, um, all of the cities in the Portland metropolitan region. I'm just pulling up the map right now, um, but it's uh, divvied up into, the council is divvied up into a number of districts. Um, and Sam Chase's district um, is one that, I'm just pulling it up right here, bear with me, gentlemen. Um, uh, he represents a, uh, a part of uh, metro that I believe is entirely encompassed within the city of Portland itself. So it doesn't include any of the surrounding jurisdictions. Um, a number of seats uh, um, do that because Portland is such a, a large and important city. So um, I believe his district touches a, a tiny bit in unincorporated Washington County, um, but the overwhelming majority of it is the city of Portland. So you, you go ahead. So um, Metro decides the urban growth boundary. It's a compilation of all the suburbs and the city of Portland. Who can vote these people in then? Everybody? Yeah. So, so the voting is done at a district level, which means um, if you're in a geographical district um, that, uh, that that Metro Councilor represents, you can vote there. And so for Sam Chase, we're talking about North Portland, generally speaking, um, as well as a little bit of Northwest Portland and downtown as well. Okay. So and I've got something real, real quick. Um, I, I, I think for the viewers, you know, everyone knows what HBA is. And we know that if you have membership, that goes towards uh, uh, sort of you're our spokesperson legislatively to find the people that represent 
us and what we do as builders and realtors and real estate related services. But let's just take a, a 50,000 square foot, 50,000, you know, elevation look at what you guys do. So the listeners just don't think it's a political podcast. So let them know a little bit about, you know, what you do and what your objective is and why and, and you know, beyond the street of dreams and the, you know, remodeled home show, which neither of those happened, right? That's true. Yeah, we and, did have to uh, take a step back this year. Is the fall uh, spring and garden and the, is that happening this year? Yeah, so the, the thanks, thanks for asking, Joe. Um, so for those of you who are familiar with my organization, uh, we kind of do a number of things. We host a number of large-scale events, including the Street of Dreams. I know Tucker um, uh, has built there in the past. Um, uh, we host uh, the Home and Garden Show, which Joe just mentioned, both in the fall and in the spring. For mm -hmm. our fall Home and Garden Show, we're actually pivoting to uh, dispersed sites. So we're going to have virtual components and we're going to have smaller in-person components rather than just one central location at the Expo Center. Um, uh, because obviously with the COVID regulations in place, there's a whole host of concerns about getting a lot of people together in, in one place. So um, you can actually go to our website right now, hbapdx.org, and you'll see some information on a program that we're rolling out next month called Housing Month. Housing Month is kind of an umbrella idea that's going to um, encapsulate a whole bunch of events, speaker series, in-person programming related to housing generally, as well as uh, with a special focus on housing affordability. Habitat for Humanity is, is doing some great programming as part of uh, Housing Month. Um, and one of the components of that will be the Fall Home and Garden Show. So um, great opportunity for consumers to continue to reconnect with uh, distributors and suppliers of kind of cool new stuff in the world of housing. Um, but it will look a little bit different this year as, as I anticipate everything looking uh, moving forward as we all kind of collectively grapple with the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Hey, real quick, okay. Ezra. So, sorry, Joe, no, you go ahead. want to finish that thought? I just, um, so what does the HBA do and, and what's kind of your mission? And um, I, I know everyone know. I mean, you guys remodeled the the lower level. We threw a party there. It was it was terrific. But uh, everyone knows where it is. I don't know that everyone knows exactly what your mission is yeah. and maybe how it relates to kind of a heavy political podcast. So yeah, uh, if you just in general say what you service and what you guys your objective is, I think that would help frame up the whole rest of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Joe. So um, we're a member uh, organization. So uh, HBA has over 800 members. We're made up primarily of developers, builders, uh, remodelers, suppliers, architects, legal, engineering, folks in real estate, um, and folks in planning, basically, uh, as well as suppliers and, and a whole host of other people. If you work in the world of residential development, construction, or remodeling, uh, and you work in the Portland metropolitan area, you're you're likely a member of ours, or you should be a member of ours. Um, and we'd love to have you if you're not. Um, and we're essentially tasked with supporting uh, the industry generally, um, as well as advancing a 
uh, regulatory agenda at the local and regional level that supports the development, construction, remodel of residential uh, units. So um, a big part of my job leading the government affairs team is to ensure that we are educating uh, local candidates and um, elected officials on the important issues related to housing. And when election season comes around, our political arm uh, gets into gear uh, and we interview and endorse and financially support people running for office who are pro-housing. Being pro-housing kind of comes in a whole host of forms, but generally I'd say you need to be cognizant of the uh, really important role that government plays in deciding what housing can get built and where. You need to appreciate the fact that housing uh, is a um, is market driven, um, and that it that if we don't increase overall supply, we're going to continue to grapple with around housing affordability. Um, and you need to uh, be open to accepting different types of housing uh, in different places. We don't take a one-size-fits-all approach, and we, we believe that there needs to be different housing types available for Oregonians, not only at all rungs of the economic ladder, but at, for all phases of their lives. Um, and so whether that's a townhome uh, or a small cottage, single-family home, an apartment building, um, or even a shelter structure for people who are grappling with homelessness. Um, we believe that that housing needs to be available and we need a whole heck of a lot more of it to make sure that the region's housing market can stabilize in a way that doesn't burden people unnecessarily. I have a follow-up question on that, Ezra. We had a gal, her, her name was Mel George. She's, she was pretty politically connected with PMAR. Do you guys align perfectly with the other the realtor associations are there times where you disagree or and and do you work closely with them yeah i can say i'm really proud of our relationship with pmar there's a fantastic team over there obviously we're big fans of realtors in general but uh, uh daryl and michelle who work on the political side of things in pmar are just fantastic professionals really understand the industry well inside and out i'd say that we align probably 99 percent of the time with pmar so pretty close alignment um if you're members of either of ours, you'll have noticed uh, you've gotten invitations to a whole host of candidate meet and greets that we're co-sponsoring with candidates that we've jointly endorsed. Um, and so far we've done, I believe, eight of them and are gonna do a couple of more. So really broad-based alignment on most things. Sometimes we have small disagreements. Um, again, you know, it's, it's my job to focus on uh, new home construction and remodeling and development. And obviously PMAR is more focused on the sale of homes. So not perfect alignment, mm -hmm. uh, but pretty, pretty darn near close. Yeah. Cause both very housing centric, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so if you were to, and by the way, I, I, I love how you're going to walk us through some, some candidates and, and why, who's, who's the option. But I also think we need to follow that up with posting something maybe in masters that can be there. Uh, referenced and maybe even printed out and available. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe in the comments we can put or a, a secondary post follow up to this with um, who the candidates are, what races they're running in, kind of pros and cons. And then yeah. obviously just to kind of back frame what we already talked about a little bit, Metro is such an important, we'll call it entity because I, when's the next vote for the pushing of the urban growth boundary? Is it 2022? 
So it's actually unique. It's going to be 2021. Uh, Metro recently put in place a new system that allows the council to look at urban growth boundaries every six years automatically. And our last one is 20, it was 2018. So it'd be 2018 and then um, 2024. And then periodically every three years at their discretion, um, which means it's not going to be automatic. Uh, but it does allow for local cities to submit applications and to pursue expansions. And so right now we know that the city of Tigard uh, is working diligently, thanks uh, in part to a great public-private partnership with a developer out there, as well as with the support of a Metro grant to do some early concept planning uh, uh, in River Terrace. So, um, we Where's anti- River Terrace? So, uh, so it would be right next to King City. Oh, uh, like the end of Beef Bend Road, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've, I actually know some people that are sitting on some land out there that that are expecting something soon. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. And so with all the work that King City is doing, doing their comprehensive planning, it makes perfect sense for Tiger to do that work at the same time. You want to synergize planning work around things like transportation networks, stormwater management. Um, All of those important pieces really are better dealt with at the regional level than the individual jurisdictional level, especially when there's um, topographical features that need to be taken into account. And so we know that Tigard is moving forward with what will likely be an application. We've heard some rumblings of other cities. Uh, Sherwood has had some preliminary conversations about revisiting an expansion. If you remember, they actually submitted and then pulled back their application um, in 2018. And so there's been some talk of them resubmitting there. And then um, the city of Tualatin recently uh, initiated with a letter to the cities of Lake Oswego and West Lynn, the possibility of having some preliminary conversations around Borland and Stafford, always a very contentious issue, but kind of (laughs) the initial kickoff to what may one day be an application. And so in answer to your question, Tucker, in 2021, the Metro Council will have the opportunity for the first time to consider a mid-cycle expansion. And that's why it's so important that we elect people like Mary Nolan, who aren't ideologues, but who are willing to look at every application on its own merits and make a determination that's in the best interest of the region. Uh, We get really nervous when people run for Metro and they're hardcore ideologues who say, I don't believe in growth. I don't think there should be any future housing built where there's currently farmland or, or empty fields for that matter. That's really dangerous. That sort of approach is what gets us to extremely unhealthy housing prices um, and housing costs in ways that are extremely detrimental to lower income Oregonians. Mm-hmm. So in addition to Mary Nolan, we have um, uh, another uh, another race up. This is for the seat currently held by Craig Dirksen. It's centered around Tigard, but it includes much of the West Side. Craig has been a longtime public servant, longtime mayor in the city of Tigard and then Metro Councilor, and has been a real champion of bringing light rail down to Tigard and the Tigard Triangle and seeing some revitalization there. He's stepping down after many years of service and has endorsed Tom Anderson. Tom Anderson is actually a realtor, longtime member of PMAR, a fantastic guy, um, served on the, the Tigard Planning Commission for seven years, currently a Tigard City Councilor, and he's running to replace Craig. Uh, Both PMAR and HBA are strong supporters of uh, Tom and all his work. 
Um, and I will just just do a quick plug. We're actually going to be having an event for Tom uh, in the coming weeks. So if anybody listening or hearing my voice wants to attend and get a chance to meet Tom virtually, of course, go ahead and uh, reach out to me um, and we'd love to get you involved. So uh, Tom would be a fantastic choice to replace Craig, be a strong voice for smart growth uh, and continued um, development on the West side, which is so important. And Tigard really plays a critical role on the West side. I'd say that Beaverton and Hillsborough sometimes get a little bit more attention because of their size, but Tigard is strategically located in a way that when it's doing well, the whole region does well because it just sits at the this really important confluence uh, in the region. And when they're stepping up to the plate, looking at expansions, looking at growth, looking at redevelopment, um, everybody benefits. Hmm. I want to make sure I understand this because I, I, I'm still not 100% clear here, Ezra. So Tom Anderson is running for what? Tiger City Council? Oh, I'm sorry. He's running for Metro City Council. He's currently a Tiger City Councilor. He's running for the Metro seat currently held by Craig Dirksen. Okay. And does the entire metro region get to vote for him or no. just Tigard? So just if you're in District 3, which encompasses Tigard and much of Beaverton, as well as Wilsonville, Sherwood, and King City. Okay. Okay. So people in that region, that area, can vote for him to be on the metro council. Exactly. Everyone else just has to hope and pray. Absolutely. So if you're in District 3, uh, make sure you're, you're giving Tom Anderson a good hard look. And if you're in District 5, again, that's North Portland and Northwest Portland, as well as downtown, uh, consider supporting Mary Nolan. Okay. What about the other areas? So like, I mean, there's so many other areas of the metro. Are there just not elections going for those seats? Is that what's happening? Yeah, we just have two. Um, the okay. other seat that was up this year was the seat currently held um, by... Um, excuse me, I, I'm, I'm blanking on uh, Bob Stacy. Um, Bob Stacy is a longtime Metro counselor. Uh, prior to that, uh, he served for a number of elected officials. He was the head of planning in the city of Portland um, and uh, led thousand friends of Oregon beforehand. Bob probably knows more about land use than anybody else in the state of Oregon, or at least close to, close to that. Um, and he won his uh, election outright in the primary. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay, cool. So that's why Metro is so important, everybody. It's uh, it basically is the, the governor on whether or not we expand the amount of land that we can build on. Um, and so as we continue to increase in size, if you increase the amount of housing, then you can potentially prevent that housing, or at least the cost of it to the end consumer from spiking um, dramatically. So uh, hence the, the responsible redevelopment or responsible development, as Ezra put it. So, and it absolutely. sounds like there's some areas that are in play that are pretty pretty relevant areas to a lot of us. I mean, Sherwood, Tigard, gosh, the Borland Road area. I mean, that would that would change a lot of people's world if the, if we started to see some some development in those areas. Um, yeah, as as, as Stafford, realtors, I'd say that's where the lion's share of the business is. I mean, yeah, especially Stafford from a price point and, perspective, you know. Yeah. That's a hot, that's been a hotbed for a long time. So yeah, well, at least 30 I always years. I pay attention to the UGB expansion whenever they take a hard look at it. And I've been doing this long enough that when I first got into the business, I've spoken to people that say, when the UGB comes over here, I'm an instant millionaire, you know, cause I have all this land. 
and they don't do anything to their house because they know it's going to be scraped. Well, you fast forward to today, they're in this dilapidated yeah. house waiting for that lottery ticket to yeah. come through. And, you know, it, maybe it will, maybe it won't. And it, there's a fine line between having, you know, your town be way too dense with people. But then again, if there isn't enough inventory and enough properties for people, that's going to adjust market value and, and what our market does. So um, I'm glad that you guys and PMAR and NAR give their recommendations for what promotes stable building growth and real estate growth. Absolutely. For sure. So let's move on to another. Uh, let's let's jump area. into a hot one, huh? Let's, get, <laughs> let's do it. Get the hot hot gun here. Let's go uh, city of Portland, shall we? Because we've yeah. got a real. And this was one that actually in the in many of my Uber rides, those that were a little more well read were like, "What is going to go on there with the election?" So yeah. maybe yeah. give us some background on on what we've got um, coming up in terms of that, Ezra. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I totally agree with you, Tucker. City of Portland is probably this, uh, at least in my boat, one of the most important. Um, one of the most important jurisdictions uh, in, in our region, uh, you know, not, not just in our state. So what happens and how the tone is set at the highest level is absolutely critical. We started off this year um, in the city of Portland with a very, very uh, difficult uh, city council. Uh, we've recent, we saw the passing of Nick Fish, longtime uh, city commissioner, somebody who was able to build bridges and, and build coalitions um, in ways that are so important given the, the city's commission form of government. For those of you who aren't familiar, Portland is the last major city in America to essentially have multiple executives. It's an extremely outdated form of government, um, and it means that every elected official is a king or queen unto their own domain. Um, and it makes it very, very important that you have people in place who are willing to build bridges, willing to work collaboratively. Otherwise, you have bureaus in direct conflict with each other. And, and if you're a builder and you've ever had to go get an exemption or an adjustment from one bureau because of another bureau's requirements, um, and that might have cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars. That exists because the city of Portland has a commission form of government where there isn't just one executive, but instead you have up to five. So we actually uh, saw some really important, we saw a really important election this year. Uh, Carmen Rubio won her race. Um, she is running to replace Amanda Fritz, who is stepping off the, the city council after many years. Carmen Rubio is the longtime executive director of Latino Network, an extremely respected nonprofit organization that does a ton of great work in the city of Portland. Carmen is ready to come in, hit the ground running, and will be a very, very thoughtful voice on the city council. Uh, we also uh, recently saw the election of Dan Ryan. Dan Ryan uh, won, um, uh, just won the seat that was vacated by uh, former Commissioner Fish. Dan um, is somebody who is extremely well-versed in collaboration, working across um, the aisle with diverse groups of stakeholders. His background is a um, 
uh, a school board um, a school board rep, as well as a longtime executive director of All Hands Raised, a nonprofit that works with uh, low-income children in the Portland public school system. So Dan is another very thoughtful person who has recently been elected to the city council. So you when guys supported Dan Ryan. Uh, we we actually did not, so a bit bit of a bit of egg on my face there. But um, but Dan is somebody that we're a big fan of. Um, uh, you know, our vote. Uh, on the endorsements were, were, were 5149. Um, but Dan is somebody who is just a, a great addition and is seen as somebody that can provide a real steady hand. The mayor recently gave him the Bureau of Development Services. In my book, probably the most important bureau in the city of Portland. Um, and uh, uh, their director, Rebecca Esau, um, is really excited about the opportunity to work with Dan. Um, and Dan is really excited about the opportunity to, to work on some, uh, some reform in that bureau and help them streamline their processes to become more effective. So with those two um, folks coming on board, we're setting ourselves up for really pivotal elections for two additional races. The first uh, incumbent uh, city councilor or city commissioner, Chloe Udaling, is facing a really fierce challenger uh, in Mingus Maps. Uh, Chloe has a history of being uh, fairly abrasive. Um, she, um, not only behind the scenes, but, but publicly is extremely difficult to work with, not only uh, with her colleagues, but, but the way that she treats the public generally. Um, and sparked a lot of controversy last year when she uh, proposed to do away with the current neighborhood association system um, and, and in an attempt to kind of undercut their power in the city of Portland. Mingus Maps is a former staffer um, who worked in the bureau that oversaw the neighborhood associations. Uh, he's, a, he's a former professor, extremely thoughtful individual, really, really well-versed on the Byzantine system that the city of Portland uh, has um, and uh, would, would provide a real breath of fresh air um, to, the city, uh, to the city council. So, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember Chloe's the one, I mean, she's like, she's the champion of she hates landlords. How about that? Let's let's put it that way. That she should was be the tagline. Yeah, that'd be a good yeah, tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she wants to line them up and shoot them all. The best candidate is anyone running against her. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, yeah. I mean, she was. She came in with hammer swinging. I, if I'm not mistaken, she was. Uh, she was a rent. I mean, she was very vocal that I'm not a, an owner of a house. Mm -hmm. I'm a renter, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really you know champion laws for you. And we've seen it. We've seen it. It's been yeah. become very Didn't difficult get, to be a, a landlord in Portland. She was, wasn't she an internet? Uh, she got cast, her vote was cast because she was on the internet all the time. Isn't that how she got into politics? You know what? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. She came in as a protest vote against um, Steve Novak, a, a former commissioner who had a lot of controversy around him um, and his proposal for um, street fees if folks remember that from a couple of years ago. So Chloe came in as kind of the anybody but Novak um, candidate. She was a, a big unknown. 
Um, and I think, unfortunately, has, has proven to be really not the right fit for uh, the city council. Again, given the commission form of government, collaboration and willingness to uh, work on difficult issues um, in a manner that brings in diverse stakeholders is really important if you're a city commissioner, probably more important in Portland than any other city in the region, again, because of the form of government. And Commissioner Udaly just has not been willing to do that. Um, I can tell you from my experience, she just refuses to meet with me. Um, not because she doesn't like my face, but just because of who I How represent. Not like your face, Ezra. Right? I got no, corrected, I, by the way. I could be wrong. Jasmine Reese said it, you, you daily owns her home, so maybe she does own a house. Maybe she's bought it since then. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I remembered that being the case, but <clears throat> keep yeah. going, Ezra. No, no, but she, you know, she just from day one has refused to meet with me because I represent home builders, um, which you know to me is just. Uh, astounding. Um, if you look at our political engagement across the reason, you'll see that we endorse Democrats and Republicans. We give money to both. We are not politically ideological. We just want to have conversations with people about supporting housing options in a myriad of forms like I talked about before. And we have great relationships with the other commissioners uh, on the city council. Commissioner Hardesty has been a real ally on many issues we've worked on. The mayor has been wow. fantastic. Surprising. You know, we we are willing to work with and learn from anybody. And unfortunately, Commissioner Udaly is not interested in that. Hmm. And so uh, my organization, as well as a number of others, are extremely enthusiastic about Mingus Maps. He is raising a boatload of money. He is connecting with folks. If you take a look at his donations, you'll see a ton of small dollar donations, meaning that people are getting excited about uh, excited about his candidacy when they hear from him and when they talk for him. So I would highly encourage uh, your members to who who live in the city of Portland, check out Mingus. If you live anywhere in the city, you get to vote for him. Um, uh, I, I think if you if you what click if you on live in website, Multnomah County but not Portland? So it's just just the Portland, uh, Portland just the Portland. <clears throat> okay, yeah. I think, um, I think Mel George worked with him, if I remember correctly, when we did her show. She was uh, <clears throat> a big supporter of him. Um, and so I, is that PMAR's candidate then also, I believe? Absolutely. Yeah. They're big, they're big supporters of, of, uh, Mingus as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, that one's easy. What is speaking of is Joanne Hardesty up for no, no. Commissioner no. Hardesty is up for another two years. Okay. And you're, and you, and she's pro housing, huh? She has been a real champion uh, of working with housing. You know, I know for, for some folks um, on other issues, they may not <laughs> see eye to eye with her on the issue of housing. She's been a real champion. She was the first one to go into uh, one of the more difficult um, neighborhood associations and tell them that she was going to support diverse housing types, that she was going to support accessory dwelling units and duplexes, and that she was open to looking at the way that we charge developers fees. Um, um, so she's been a really great voice on this. Um, and I, and I can tell you, um, having spoken with my counterparts who worked with her previously in the legislature, she had the same reputation there where she's extremely dedicated on some issues. Um, and on those, you know, she's definitely a force uh, to be reckoned with. Um, but on the issue of housing, she is, um, uh, uh, somebody who likes to participate, um, collaborate, um, and is extremely open to looking at unique ideas to advance housing. Cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Should we go to the big one? Let's go to the big one. Let's go to so the, the, the granddaddy of them all. Granddaddy of them all. Yeah. Ted Wheeler up for election. Um, and uh, Ted, uh, I think, I think 
probably folks saw the piece, I think it was in Willamette Week a little over a week ago, um, talked about the fact that he is looking at some pretty rough poll numbers. Um, he's got pretty much everyone upset at him uh, on both the right, the left, uh, and in the center. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he's done this because he literally – Everybody hates tear gas, Teddy. Like how, yeah. I don't even know how that's possible in Portland, but he managed to pull that one off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's de definitely tough. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, he, you know, the mayor has done so much great work. I think, I think a big part of it has just been the fact that he's been grappling with these unprecedented crises and, that he's in a commission form of government. And so unlike other mayors who are able to take decisive action, who are able to make decisions and really kind of turn on a dime in order to respond to a crisis, Ted doesn't have that sort of authority and ability. And I but think he's that's the head really of the hampered. police force. So he kind of does. He is the head of the police force. Yeah, he does have some power, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I won't say that he has none, but I, but I will say that because of the form of government and because of the, the current makeup of the city council and because there aren't, uh, there aren't uh, four, four city councilors, we only have the three. Um, now, we, we just got the fourth, but for a long time, he just had the three. It's been an extremely tough dynamic for him to work under. So I don't want to be an apologist for the mayor, but I am, and my organization is supporting him. Mm -hmm. We believe that he has been a Well, you should. I mean, you have to. You have <laughs> to. Have no choice, right? Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you start by, because yeah. for, for some of our listeners, they may go, what? But start with the, the other option. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Sarah, Sarah Iannarone, um, she previously ran uh, against Ted, uh, came in third, I believe, um, in 2016 when she first ran. Um, Sarah's uh, a former professor, um, and she's actually done a, a lot of great work on housing. So I want to acknowledge that up front. She was a big supporter of the residential infill project, re-examining kind of the regulatory structure that uh, smaller scale developers have to build in, or, and is really passionate about seeing things like, like, uh, condominiums and 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 uh, duplexes and um, diverse housing types throughout the city. Um, that being said, Sarah um, has been uh, uh, pretty difficult on some of the larger challenges facing the city of Portland. Um, she's come out publicly um, talking about uh, sometimes the need for violence, which I think was really shocking to folks, especially in the city of Portland, and given the horrific violence that we've seen downtown, um, uh, especially with the killings. I, I think any anybody running for office that, that comes out publicly and says that violence is sometimes a, a good option, um, that should be a major red flag for folks. Um, additionally, um, she's been uh, a pretty abrasive with a lot of folks um, in the business community. Um, while I've enjoyed working with her on discrete issues of housing, I know she's been pretty um, upfront about uh, bashing um, kind of big business as she sees it. And you know, uh, Steve and, and, and Tucker, we're in the city of Portland. Like there, there really isn't big business. Um, you know, there, there's no Amazon lurking around the corner. Uh, there's no Google uh, who's kind of shaping policy. Uh, the, the folks who are in town, uh, especially on the development side, are by and large mom and pop and small regional players. Um, and these are not these are not the boogeyman, right? Uh, these are the employers and the people who ensure that um, that people get paychecks and are able to feed their families. And it's really disappointing when a politician comes out and wants to kind of paint with such a broad brush and say things like, I don't like business or you know, people who uh, are, are pro-business are bad. Um, that's just, that doesn't have a place in politics here in Portland uh, or it shouldn't. Um, 
and uh, and that's a big reason why I think there there are some some major red flags around Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. Again, she's been she's been really collaborative on housing issues, and I do want to give her credit for that. But on on some of the really big issues, um, I, I think there are some some serious concerns. Um, the interesting thing is that because Ted is so unliked, um, the the polling which has been done really highlights the fact that you have people who are willing to vote for him because they. They read about the issues. They understand the difference between him and Sarah. And while they may not love him, they recognize that he's really the best choice. There are a whole um, kind of dedicated group of folks who are um, polling really well for her. So those are infrequent voters, young voters, extremely, pro- <laughs> extremely <laughs> progressive voters. Check that yeah. box. You know yeah. I mean. So she has those folks locked up. And then there's a whole group of people in the middle who have no idea who Sarah is and are upset enough with Ted that they're looking at casting a protest vote. We talked about this before. Or with Chloe U. Daly, how she kind of came to office because she was an anybody but vote. Um, and when those sorts of situations occur, it's extremely dangerous because people are untested, they're unvetted, and oftentimes you have you have folks voting for uh, voting in a protest way without even knowing who the other who the person is they're actually voting for. And so, you know, our big recommendation is um, for folks who are upset with the mayor uh, on whatever issue. Uh, he, he's kind of uh, 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 upset you on. Go out there and learn about Sarah. She has put a lot of lot of content on her website, and I'll give her full credit for that. She's extremely transparent about who she is and what she believes in. Go read that. If that's something you agree with, then vote for Sarah. If you have concerns about that, then then I strongly recommend that you vote for Mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, Again, he may not win a popularity contest in the city of Portland, but we need to be very careful about changing on a dime, especially given the turbulent times. The city is facing unprecedented shortfalls in budgets. Um, We're dealing with a brand new city council. We are kicking off conversations on charter review commission. And I've mentioned the Portland charter like 50 times already, but the city is actually going to look at re- forming its charter to give it a more rational form of government. Um, And we're still dealing with uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And I would say to you that that staying the course with a steady hand during this time and and with these challenges is absolutely imperative. So um, go out there, get educated. But at the end of the day, Ted Wheeler is the right person to ensure that Portland is able to stabilize and then regain um, because we need to get back to where we were nine, 12 months ago um, and, and start rebuilding the Portland brand in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wish uh, I wish Eric Post would have been our uh, third choice for mayor for the city of Portland. Yeah. Maybe someday, Eric, maybe he'll uh, fill that slot because we're going to need a, somebody to back clean up after whoever wins this round, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you. Sarah scares the living hell out of me. Um, on many levels, um, but Ted has not really done much to lead well either. So you're right. You're left with like a maybe a protest vote, like a good amount of people that may cast a protest vote that maybe just aren't involved in um, you know some of the issues or just don't read up on her completely. What I is the know. polling is like? Yeah. Ezra, do you know what the polling is? Do so I've seen some internal polling. Uh, it's not it's not public, so you always have to take it with a grain of salt uh, when it's done by a campaign. But it's looking pretty tight. Um, and it's looking pretty tight primarily because you have so many folks who are looking to cast that protest vote. So again, mm-hmm. um, you, have, you have young voters, you have extremely progressive voters, and you have infrequent voters who are 
very passionate about Sarah. And Ted has picked up pretty much anybody who gets out there, reads, learns, mm-hmm. and becomes highly educated. So he's, he's picking up frequent voters and older voters. Um, mm-hmm. But pretty much everybody else is in this area where they're just upset mm-hmm. and they're looking to, to demonstrate how upset they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and those and are the without fo- realizing the the worst of the two evils is what they're gonna they're going for. Basically, yeah, <laughs> right. And again, I think this is a, this is very akin to what we saw with Commissioner Udaley when she won her first when she won her race. Um, if you are going to vote solely based on protest, um, you need to be prepared for some serious ramifications. Um, you know, city of Portland um, and the, the, the type of power that elected leaders have um, is not something to play around with. Um, these folks have more power at the individual level than any other elected in the state, probably more so than the governor, because they, they, are, they are the executives and essentially the legislators of the um, of the departments or bureaus that they oversee. So be very thoughtful about when you cast that vote. And like Steve and, and Tucker are saying, you know, you may not love the other choice, um, but but just be really certain about who you're voting for. Yeah, man. That's That's a big one. Uh, I have a question. Um, does the HBA back someone in every race and every platform? Uh, Absolutely not, Joe. There's some race where you're like, nobody's good we're just agnostic you know god help us all (laughs) they're all terrible this might be one of them yeah you you don't have a hey this one is less terrible than this one so let's support this one there's sometimes you're just like i'm tapping out we don't have a person I'll say this, Joe. I, I hope God has better things to do than uh, than worry about a, a local election here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, we take every single race in our jurisdiction extremely um, seriously. I can tell you that my team and I interviewed over 94 people running for office in the three-county region and down in Yamhill as, as well. So if anybody filed for office, you got at least two emails from me, two from my colleague, and three phone calls, right? We are going to connect with you. Now, you may not want to connect with us, and I respect that. If you're an elected official and you don't like home builders or you don't like housing, you're probably not going to talk to me. But of those 94 people that we reached out to, we probably sat down over two-hour interviews, so for a total of two hours, um, with upwards of 85 of them. Um, And of of those 85 folks, we took them through a really rigorous process. Um, We we kind of give them an hour of just introduction on the issues, and then we bring them back for a formal hour of interviews. We send them the questions beforehand. This isn't an exercise in gotcha, but we will ask them pointed questions and difficult questions because we want to see who's willing to learn about the complex issue of housing. I'll tell you this, Joe. Most people who run for office at the local level, they care about things like parks and police reform and schools and traffic. They probably aren't thinking a whole lot about the regulatory framework that exists um, uh, for housing and what the zoning map looks like. Um, And so we really do our darndest along with PMAR and a number of other groups to educate candidates on those issues so that when they have to start making complex, uh, they have to go through a complex analysis on on a subject that's not super sexy, like, I don't know, side yard setbacks, that they're well versed enough and have enough information to make an educated choice. And so we endorse in most races, um, and you'll see, uh, uh, I'll share with everyone afterwards, we have a voter guide that, that's uh, 
that's already come out. We'll share that with folks. We're, we're, we'll be posting on social media. We have a newsletter that goes out weekly that highlights all of our endorsements and introduces people to the candidates. I'd say we're endorsing in most races, but um, like you said, Joe, not in every single one. Um, this isn't about forcing an endorsement down anyone's throat. If, if, if there is no pro-housing candidate in the race, we will not endorse um, and we will not give money because while we want to work with everyone, we can only work with those who are willing to work with us. Interesting. Good. Perfect. Good answer, Ezra. So let's talk about Lake Oswego. Is it, yeah. You want so to jump a, to that this one? This is a big one. This is you. Yeah. We sure. have, I know you guys haven't picked a, a horse yet. It's per se, but, um, or a candidate. Yeah. Or a candidate. Yeah. For that matter. <laughs> but we have one candidate that's off the friggin' reservation, right? So we'll call her very Sarah like in terms of her view, at least towards housing, right. And builders. And so in the builder's eyes, she's basically the antichrist. Um, you know, I know it's a harsh statement, but it, it, her outlook on making things exponentially more difficult to to put new housing in is it's just crazy. So let's go through who the candidates are and then we'll let the audience pick who you might pick based on your descriptions. How about that? Sure. And, and this is going to be an education for me too. Um, so please, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn on this issue. Uh, as I mentioned, we have an endorsement in this race. We're going through the endorsement process now and we may be We're going to tell you who to endorse, race. by the way, in the next five, 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I, appreciate you who. I appreciate that. He's been on the show. Well, yeah. <laughs> well I'll, I'll say okay. this. You know, Lake Oswego, um, as we've talked about before, is a really important um, city in our region. And it plays a really pivotal role, not only because of its location uh, and because of the affluence uh, of many of its residents, um, but because it's willing to engage on so many different issues, right? So um, if you roll back the clock to the Obama administration, um, Lake Oswego said no to bringing light rail uh, down to the waterfront, um, right? That, that Imagine light rail going down to the waterfront today and the difference that that would make in Lake Oswego downtown. Lake Oswego just said no to a bike bridge um, to uh, uh, across the river um, to the city of Milwaukee. Um, if, if anyone's been tracking the transportation measure that Metro put forward and is going to be on the ballot in November, a little inside baseball here is there was going to be a pedestrian bike bridge uh, going from Lake Oswego to Milwaukee and Lake Oswego said no. And they say no to these things, uh, at least in part, um, because there's a sense um, that the city should remain insular um, and not as interconnected with the region um, as it otherwise really should be, given its strategic location. Um, and a lot of this kind of insular, inward-looking focus has led to some really terrible decisions on land use. I'll highlight for both of you the, the item that we talked about last time I was on, but the demolition tax in Lake Oswego, charging developers and essentially uh, future homeowners $15,000 to demolish what is otherwise um, an unsafe um, or, 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 or no longer useful structure. I heard one horror story from a developer who asked to remain nameless that the city is trying to charge them $30,000 because the, the site has a detached garage on it. Uh, you oh know what? Gosh. I looked at that site and I know what you're talking about. And yes, I passed on it because that would be considered an additional demo tax. But yes, I, I'm very actively in the middle of paying two uh, $15,000 taxes right now um, right. for housing that's way outstate as welcome. Um, right. so, and, I, and I completely disagreed with our previous guest in terms of his vote on that. I, I think he's, you know, he's got my vote on many other things, but I 
completely agree with you. I think the, the teardown tax is an asinine tax, and it does absolutely nothing good in terms of overall for the housing market. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with you, Ezra. It, it is such an important part of the community. It's, it's also, it's one of the few destination um, uh, cities, you know, Portland's a downtown used to be a destination. I mean, if anyone from the region would go, oh, Hey, let's go. It's my birthday. Let's go downtown Portland. Lake Oswego, I think is stepping up in a big way. And it's, and especially as the, the downtown has those issues, I mean, it's got the downtown of Lake Oswego. They're working here on the corner of Cruz and, and Boone's Ferry Road um, on something that's going to be akin to Bridgeport. Um, you do have Bridgeport, which is very close to Lake Oswego. You've got the Boone's Project. So it, it's, I think it's quickly rising to where, you know, people from Wilsonville, Westland, Tigard, um, uh, Sherwood, this is kind of where they come for those special occasions or a night out. So it really is um, an important city in our region, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, you know, the, the conversations that are going on right now uh, following the demo tax are, are extremely narrow-minded and, and narrowly focused. Um, so uh, I, I know a number of the candidates in the race like to talk about the tree canopy and trees. Um, and I, and I, and they've, they've framed the conversation in terms of uh, this being about climate change. Um, now, now Lake Oswego, let alone Oregon, but Lake Oswego is essentially responsible for 0% of the pollution um, that's emitted that is leading to climate change, um, right? Uh, Lake Oswego is not China. Lake Oswego is not even Oregon. Um, it's not Portland, and it's definitely not the USA. And so to pretend like somehow charging more money uh, when trees are removed is good for the climate um, it's just nonsensical and it's a non-starter. And it's those, that sort of disingenuous rhetoric that we're seeing from some folks running for office uh, that just shows you how anti-housing some people are um, because they're willing to throw anything, um, uh, they'll throw the whole kitchen sink at housing um, and just see what sticks. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really dirty in my book. Uh, I, I don't like that. Uh, I'm somebody that cares deeply about nature and about the climate, and uh, it is extremely important that housing get built in Lake Oswego and around Lake Oswego so that people can have shorter commute times, so that they can live closer to amenities, so that we don't need to build as much costly infrastructure farther outside of the urban core. And um, Lake Oswego uh, needs to step up as a community and really re-examine the way that it has acted as an anti-growth uh, jurisdiction uh, over the past number of years and decades. Hmm. So, so, so let's talk about the candidates. There's three, correct, Tucker? Yeah, there's three. So there was two, and then we got a curveball, um, which, uh, you know, well, we can talk about him, but basically he was going to run for another race and then he decided last minute, I guess, within enough time to be able to announce um, that he wanted to run for the mayoral seat as, instead. Um, so Ezra, I'll let you kind of announce who those people are and then we can say who's who. Yeah, sure. So we have, uh, like you said, three people. We have John Lamont running, um, a current city councilor. We have uh, Teresa Kohlhoff, also uh, a sitting uh, councilor, um, and uh, Joe Buck. Mm -hmm. Who also is the owner of Babica Hen um, uh, and Goobanks, uh, well, family-owned businesses, but they're right next door to my office, so we're you know we're we're, we're neighbors uh, mm -hmm. in a way. Good uh, food. But, uh, but he so he so Joe had previously run for Metro, um, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, and lost. 
but he had to vacate, I believe, his city council seat uh, for a city like Oswego in order to run that race. Um, so then he ended up losing that race and then he ended up with nothing. So he was basically out of power completely. It was my understanding that he wanted to run for one of the vacated council seats for city of Lake Oswego initially uh, because both Teresa and John had to vacate their seats in order to run for mayor. And then he decided that he didn't want to run for council. He also wanted to run for mayor. Um, so hence why he's now the third horse in the race. Does that make sense, Steve? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so John Lamont's the one that was on our show um, at the early part of the year. Uh, very, he's an independent. I think um, that I love that because I think it. He he really. I mean, Lake Oswego is a purple city, is what he called it. Um, and uh, he's very um, even keel and 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 very um, moderate minded in balance on you know both sides. Um, and, uh, I, everything he said made sense. Even when he explained the demo tax, I'll be honest with you. And I'm not saying we are happy about it, but he, even how he explained how, um, it's been a little while. I mean, you, Tucker, you might remember it better. I than think we have. agreed had to, to do with parks but, and, and, you know, and some yeah. of the infrastructure that, that wasn't being charged. New construction has certain costs that, that are charged, right? For well, his, his, yeah, his justification was this, is like when we tear down a house, right, um, we get uh, credits for the uh, existing public services that we're attached to, right? And so when our new building permit, we pay less than if it was a newly created lot. And so go. he's saying that this demo tax basically makes the cost the same uh, for a building permit, essentially, um, even though your building permit costs are going to be cheaper if there was previously a house there. But the demo tax on top of it makes it the same cost as if you got a new building permit for a vacant lot. Uh, so that was his justification for it. I don't agree, but that's the one thing that we disagree on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what is, talk about Joe Buck. What would, how's he for housing, Tucker? What do you know about him? Well, he's very interconnected, um, and I'm probably going to get hate mail uh, for even talking about this because um, so Joe Buck or a post-it note on your window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he's intertwined with um, his dad is one of the heads, actually the heads of my neighborhood, the head of my neighborhood association, or one of the members on the board of my neighborhood association, and he's a longtime um, neighborhood association member and leader. And the way that neighborhood associations work in Lake Oswego is they're basically they control a lot. Um, they have a lot of power because they can file appeals to planning level decisions. And then if they do that, it basically takes, for example, Randy's been on the show a few times, right? And it starts with, um, they submit a plan, right? For building on a certain lot, they ask to remove a tree on that lot. And planning says, yes, that makes sense based on what you're submitting. And they give them approval to cut that tree in order to put the house in. Well, if the neighborhood association doesn't like the fact that planning gave them approval to cut that tree, they can appeal it. And if they appeal it, they take it to city council or um, they take it to the DRC first, uh, Development Review Commission. And generally, Development Review Commission, um, you know, they'll decide whether or not planning's decision was correct or incorrect. If they agree with the builder, then they could uh, just continue on building the home, but they could also appeal it again all the way to council. So long story short here is that everybody's interconnected, right? These, these heads of the neighborhood association have these people <coughs> that they have influence on, um, mainly on council for the most part, but they have a lot of influence. So if you are on a neighborhood board, you can make people's lives hell that build houses. And Joe Buck is very closely tied to somebody who has made a lot of builders lives hell um, when it comes to building housing. And so 
you can take whatever you want from that. But, um, you know, I know a lot of builders that, um, have not had a real good run trying to build homes around here, uh, where I live and where our office is, uh, because they've just, they're not really pro housing. They're much more pro trees and canopy above all else. Um, and, and it's really the above all else part that makes it super challenging. And so, um, you know, I, I've personally had, you know, dealings that are fine uh, with Joe and, and his family. So I, I can't say that they've been unfair to me, but I know that there's been other builders um, where they definitely feel that that's been the case. Mm -hmm. And I know Randy Sebastian posted, he was pro John Lamont for, for these reasons. So, I mean, it's, you're not alone. There are um, builders and um, how pro housing people that are, that are agreeing with that stance. So take that to your interviews, Ezra. <laughs> yeah. The other, the other thing I'll say is this, is that I personally did not like, um, you know, about a week and a half ago, Joe put out a, a blast email to everybody in, that he had uh, contact information for that basically he went and looked up to see where John had received some um, funding for his campaign. And Randy had contributed to John's campaign. And so Joe put out this big announcement that said, you don't want a mayor that's getting bought and, you know, paid for by big business, essentially, right? Or by builders and basically using that as leverage for people not to vote for him. And I just, I feel like that's a real dirty play. And there's another part of that story that I won't say on air, but it's just, a, it's a terrible thing to do. And uh, he's not bought and paid for. He's just, you know, you and I met him, Steve. We had lunch with yeah. him. We know yeah. him. I mean, he's that's a very make sense guy. And that's how uh, politics works. Yeah, it's, it's how, how politics, politics works, works that's, right? That's within the rules. I mean, there's certain limitations on how much money can be given. And I'm sure that they were within the boundaries. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's right. what, that's what the home builders association does. That's what Ezra does. They figure out who's going to be pro housing and they, they give them funding and they support them and they, and they go out to their to their people and say, look, this is who we think you should support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so those are two that are probably in my opinion, have the best chance of winning. Um, Teresa is absolutely hates builders and she would make us save every tree ever. Um, which, has a very negative impact on the value of real estate that people that have owned real estate for a long time. If you have a lot of trees and you can't cut any of those trees or it's very difficult to do so, builders aren't going to want to buy your property. And if you have kind of outdated, not so nice housing on it, it's just, it's going to abbreviate the real value of that property, um, which is basically people's retirement accounts at the end of the day. Um, and so she doesn't, you know, her hatred for building and cutting any trees kind of overshadows, I think, the, the bigger perspective there that you have to have. So I think she'll get some vote, but she's definitely an extremist, um, you know, for sure. I don't know how much of the vote she will get, but I doubt that she'll be, um, you know, in the runnings for winning, in my opinion. But I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's the Democrat candidate and then Joe's running under a Republican. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think they have to name. Is that correct? Ezra? I think they they um, they don't actually Can have be, to say what they are. I, I would bet that that Joe is is Democrat also um, okay. to some extent anyway. I, but I don't think when we had lunch with John, he said that they didn't actually have to say or they don't run under a party. Right. OK. Um, which is, is probably a good thing. It's the way it should be. Um, but I think he did say she was getting some some big bucks from the Democratic she and was, that was yeah, a challenge for him because he's independent. Yeah. Right. Although I don't know if maybe Joe siphoned some of that support off because I did see that he was supported by the firefighters union um, mm. as of last week. So, um, mm. you know, there's that, but there's, there's a lot of John signs around town. I'll, I'll say that. So he's yeah. Support of yeah. the people right now. Um, but this is going to be a big race. This is a huge race for Portland because, or not Portland, excuse me, Lake Oswego, because you basically have, you know, I mean, I've had builders tell me that if Teresa wins, they're not building homes in Lake Oswego anymore. Right. 
So anytime that that's even, you know, uh, part of a conversation should be a little scary. Um, at least it's everybody really. Um, but you know, and we heard stories, Steve, I won't say who told us, but we heard stories that she wouldn't even meet with the other side in a lot of cases. Right. Which yeah, yeah, she was contentious. Yeah. Any leader that refuses to meet with the other side or anybody that maybe you're trying to interview Ezra that won't meet with you. Like, I don't feel like they're fit to lead. Right. I mean, part of leading in my opinion is you have to meet with people you don't like and you don't agree with. Right. right. Like that's part of being a leader. And if you can't do that, like, you're not enough of an adult, in my opinion, to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Well put. Ezra, you're meeting with all three? Um, yeah, we're currently scheduling candidate interviews. So I think we're yeah. wrapping those up the next week and a half. Yeah. But I, I completely agree with Tucker, right? I mean, the, be, you have to be an adult in these situations. Um, and especially um, on difficult issues, you need to be willing to learn, to educate yourself, um, and to work with a degree, diverse group of stakeholders. Um, anybody that comes to politics purely as an ideologue, either on the right or the left, that's a non-starter uh, because these issues are complicated and they're not black and white, right? They, they really require a lot of nuance. We've been talking about trees. Everybody loves trees, uh, but we also need housing because if you don't build the housing here and you build it farther out, it has serious implications for greenhouse gas emissions, for traffic patterns, for people being able to access amenities. Um, that, that really need to be examined when you start trading off um, you know, a, a regulatory framework that, that puts all of the onus on the developer. Mm-hmm. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we've been going for a while. I think we touched some of the big races. Is there anything else, Steve, that maybe um, you want to touch on so we can wrap up here relatively soon? I don't. What do you have, Ezra? Is there anything else noteworthy that you know, I uh, just just very, very briefly, I'll say that uh, in Beaverton, they have a big race out there for folks who are um, working that neck of the woods. Uh, the mayor, longtime mayor, Denny Doyle, is going up a- against a challenger. Um, the city of Beaverton recently changed its form of government, so it's moved from a strong mayor system to a weak mayor system, uh, and which means that the outcome of this race isn't as consequential as it would have been um, five months ago. That being said, uh, we're, we're big fans of Denny Doyle. He's been a longtime friend of the development industry and of housing generally. He has been a true champion of seeing Beaverton continue to grow and provide housing options for residents at all rungs of the economic ladder. And we're extremely proud to support him in his bid for re-election. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think we had a good show today in terms of uh, hopefully people, you know, I know we have put our opinions out there as well, but at least, you know, you got, hopefully you got some education on who's running and you can pick, of course, your own candidate. You don't need to listen to me or anybody else, but, um, you know, go out, read up on everybody. Um, I will say the, the Portland one is, I'm going to be watching that closely because I honestly don't know which way that one goes. I really don't, uh, which is a little frightening, but I, I, that's a, that's a coin flip for me in terms of election night. So, yeah. Well, Ezra, we appreciate you coming on and discussing all this with us. Um, For those people, real quick, uh, before you exit the Home and Garden Show, um, where should they go to find information on that? Because I know that's probably uh, your guys' big event for the year since everything else pretty much got canceled, right? Yeah, thanks. So I'd say uh, go to our website. It's hbapdx.org. There you'll see all of our upcoming events, including information on Housing Month, um, which will include a whole host of speaker series, in-person events, and live features um, uh, championing and celebrating housing. Um, we're extremely excited about that. Thank you, Tucker and Steve, for inviting me back. Thanks, Joe, for having me as well. It's been a real treat with you uh, being with you here today, and I uh, hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Sounds great. Perfect. Thanks for watching, everybody, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.
Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.